You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. hear nothing yeah spencer spencer what? is now a mime i was on mute i was i, I did not mute myself so i think he was just well, messing with us spencer. no Here, i actually think sure he was messing with so us somebody and he messed with me pretending to talk mitch mitch messed with me i did not mute myself i swear well, good morning you. i'm spencer there's joel there's dennis welcome to pre-market prep i have no idea what that was about that was definitely someone messed with me uh what a Dude, day we had yesterday uh and we're and we're going to talk about 
buying the dip because that's what's happening here. That's what happened here yesterday from like 315 to, to the close and then actually for the rest of the overnight and uh, overnight session here. So we're going to talk about what happened, digest it, figure out what it means going forward. We do have a few individual headlines as well. Uh, we have earnings from Lennar. We had AutoZone this morning. We had Uber out with some guidance. J&J had some news. So there is some individual stuff, but it's going to be another broad market day because we know when volatility goes up, correlations go up, everything does the same thing. Uh, two guests on the radar on our docket today. Uh, first guest, Frank Holmes. He's the executive chairman of Hive Blockchain and the CIO of U.S. Global Investors. He'll be on at 835. We'll talk airlines. We'll talk uh, Bitcoin mining. We'll talk gold with Frank. And then at 9, we're talking energy. What is going on in that market? We'll talk to Jay Young. He's the president and CEO of King Operation Corporation. Before I throw it to Joel, some housekeeping items to address. Housekeeping item number one is, if you missed it yesterday, Joel announced the next prerequerprep.com special is a week from today. Gene Monster versus Mystery Guest. It'll be prerequerprep.com to sign up for that. Uh, our next event for on the Benzinga side is actually tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow, our EV conference, mm. a full day of electric vehicle content. We're talking with people to people like GM and Archimoto, everything from batteries to automakers to metals and mining and micro mobility and a whole lot more. Go to BenzingaEvents.com. You can also go to BZEVCon. That's like the letters BZEVCON.com to learn more. That'll be tomorrow, all day on our channel. And the also, you can see there on the bottom right here, you can win a free year of Benzinga Pro by signing up ahead of time. The last thing I want to say is we got a lot of questions all through the month of August. Where's Marcus? Where's Marcus? Where's Marcus? Is he coming back? Marcus is coming back. Go, Marcus. I got, I go. got the I got the the word yesterday. Beginning in October, Marcus is coming back on the show. So we like Marcus because he's so calming. The way he talks, I'm always hyper, and he calms me down. If we can't get Anne Marie, Marcus is awesome as well. You heard it. So you heard it's my calming voice. You heard it here first. Marcus Heikarder back on the show. In nice. October. We All like right. Marcus. All that. Marcus is just a great guy. He's just a great guy. He's a nice dude. He's a nice dude. He is a really nice dude. Uh, all right. Let's bring up Joel's charts. We got him. We got him. There, there they are. Joel. How how much of the dip did we did we buy here exactly? <laughs> Hundred points off that low from yesterday at ninety three seventy five. I don't know who was buying in there, but they were buying and they were buying hand over fist. They were and right. They were probably selling overnight. Pre market high ninety five seventy five. We caught a bid just under the close. The close was forty three. Caught a bid at forty three forty one. We have crewed up seventy two cents. Caught some uh, support just under seventy at seventy eighty six is where we're trading. Gold clears a pair of highs at 1768, up 570 at 1769.50. Silver finally trying to have a green candle here, up 38 cents at 22,585. Bitcoin down $405, 43,375, trying to recover, but not doing a good job. Ethereum's down, let's call Ethereum flat here at uh, 3075. But Spencer, I have a question for you. Mm hmm. Why are we having Frank Holmes 
instead of Martha Stewart and Richard Gere on the show today. <laughs> I, hey, listen, if you all want us to have Martha Stewart on the show, just let us know. We will do we our – Martha. We, we, we probably could. You know what? Actually, I'm surprised that Martha never did a spat, or did she? Um, she should have. She should have if she did. If you are Martha Stewart on the show like she wasn't seeing me see this morning, email us. Show is at benzinger.com. Just press one. Okay, Mitch is like one for Martha to come on the show. Two, no, thank you. We don't need Martha Stewart on the show. So one for Martha, two against Martha. We're going to add them all up. We'll take the votes for the next 30 seconds. Oh, boy. And uh, we'll see. There's a, two, there's a few ones coming I'm seeing. In. I'm seeing some ones. There's a lot of people not interested. <laughs> so I think that means, oh, there we go. We got, I got some ones. Uh, oh, I got some twos. I don't know. Coming in close. Close. It's going to be close. There's a three. I don't know what the three means. It's going to be close. That but, means Richard Gere is going to Richard Gear. Oh, they want Richard Gear. Yeah. So what was this? What, how, what did she say on the show, Joel? On she CBC was on the show and she's like, I, I don't want to make fun of people. But No, we do. That's what we do on the show. It's okay. She okay. may never come on the show again, but it's okay. She probably wasn't coming in. She said her phone was ringing. Uh, when, when she was on CNBC? Yeah. She, oh, my phone's ringing? Okay. So, yeah. what, so we she goes, oh, it's probably Richard Gere. Because <laughs> he's my neighbor. And uh, he always calls me when I'm on TV. And to right. bug me or ask me something, I swear to God. And That's I was nice. like, what am I doing nice. here? What am I doing? Yeah. And so, and then she's like, but I'm not going to pick it up. So I do want some of her. She said, I'm not going to pick it up. Yes. Yes. That I do want, awesome. she's coming out with another line of stuff. It's uh, frozen meals. Uh, I did hear that. Uh, I need a Martha Stewart. I, I, I'm bullish. Meal. I'm bullish if it's TV fake dinners. Meat. I'm Martha bullish. Stewart, TV I'm, dinners. I'm bullish if it's fake meat. If it's not, then I'm not. Martha uh, Stewart TV dinners with uh, Richard Gere on the side. Yeah. Okay, well, let, let's this talk. This is just Markets, a bad tangent. Markets. We got to get Markets. out of here. Let, let, let's let's go Save to Martha Stewart. Uh, Joel and I watched this happen. We were live as it was going on at, into the close yesterday, Dennis. But I'm I'm sure your I want to get your thoughts on on that close yesterday. Yeah, well. The close was just the last 15 to 20 minutes, and I was looking, I was, you know, I was actually had a whole bunch of LOCs to buy stocks on the close. I put them out there, cherry, you know, just throwing out in the stocks that I want to own, uh, not not long term, but stocks that I want to own overnight. There's a few earning stocks in there like that, you know, for later in the week. We know how I like to extract alpha from stocks that are going to report like Nike and stuff, which report later. And I put them out there when SPY was like 430. And I never go MOC, so I'm not just buying market on the close because we got a big rip on the close. I don't just want to get a crazy price. Yeah. But we ripped so much. We ripped 40 handles in the last like 15, 20 minutes, Joel, that I got no buys on my LOCs. Wow. Because I was like, I don't want to pay up for and 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 so look at I was trying to buy Nike on the close. Went up like two bucks. I'm like, well, no, I'm not buying when it's rallying two bucks on the close. I was trying to buy Adobe on the close. I was trying to buy FedEx on the close, which would have been a good one because it came out with news after. I didn't get any of them. So, I mean, this rally was just 30, 30 minutes to go. They just started decided they wanted to start buying them. And they haven't really stopped since, Joel. Like, nope. we look at this, you know, where the S&Ps were at 320. We were at the lows, looking like we were going to have a potential 1,000-point down day in the Dow. Mm -hmm. And then they turned around on the dip. And just started buying as much and as fast as they possibly could. And it really hasn't stopped. And we've re rallied two-thirds of the losses back now from from Mon from uh, from Friday. So, incredible rally. And I'm going to say it here. If you're buying now, 
you're absolutely doing it backwards, in my opinion. Absolutely doing it backwards. So buy the dip, sell the rip. This is a hell of a rip. Yep. I know you're still saying, oh, I'm down in the stock that I bought from Friday. But you know what? You're not as crushed as you once were. So I don't know. This market is just not the market to be chasing moves in. If you're shorting in the hole at 3 o'clock on yesterday, you're murdered. If you're buying, like right now, even if you're buying you know, an hour ago, you're already down. But I just don't chase. I think that's the, th- the, the, the thing in this market. If you're chasing moves, the odds are it's going to flip on you again. It's the chop. It's the chop and slop market, Joel, as you say. How are you playing it? Oh, man. Uh, playing the edges, you know, and, and just taking targets and, and just, you know, being regretting after it goes well beyond the target. And then when it doesn't move like that, you're like, oh, wow, what a great cover that was. Uh, but uh, good thing you didn't try and revenge trade it, Dennis, because you couldn't get the buys. You know, good thing you didn't layer out a bunch of shorts out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, right out the close. Yeah. Like- yeah. I mean, this is. This going. is just meaning. I don't want to say meaningless price action, but I mean it. What has changed fundamentally from where we opened yesterday, okay, to where we're opening today? Is going exactly. Bankrupt. That's it. It's all about Evergrande. Is it? What is the news going to be about Evergrande tomorrow? I want to know. If I knew, I will stay up all night trading. I mean, Evergrande's going bankrupt yesterday, and today, oh, we're restarting our, our projects soon. No problem. Uh, what? What? Are you kidding me? I mean, that I, I don't know how the FXI is reacting uh, to this, but uh, well, it's up a little bit. I mean, holy moly. I mean, it's just, it's a meaningless. We'll see what happens. So the weekly numbers are still saying sell, right? The I weekly so, numbers too. are saying we are still, we yeah. may have turned. I haven't. My daily numbers have turned. My weekly numbers have turned. Quarterly, we got to wait till the end of the quarter, I, you know, to see if the quarter the quarterly is probably still going to be bullish because we're up so much. We've been up every month this year. I mean, the market can't go up every single month, and maybe what one down true? month there's a red. Can we get confirmation on that? The the market has been up every the spy has been up every single month this year. Is that correct? Uh maybe. Well, I'm looking at the spy. Or are you just making that up? Uh, no, maybe not, one down month. Let me see here. Yeah. Uh, what were we yeah, down? Yeah, January was down. Was January down in the spy? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and they say as January goes, the year goes. That didn't yeah, well, that's true. Well. true, true. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, January was down a tad. Yeah. Down a tad. Yeah. And then that that's it. Yeah. That's it. So like the re- the reason I was like being so tongue in cheek yesterday is because like it, it's it's it would be hypocritical of us um to like freak out about the market about yesterday for example or the past couple weeks when like we were saying basically for the entire back half of the summer like this this is this has to happen eventually right like i've been i've been called i've been so early on this way wrong (laughs) so early right i mean i don't know what and you know yesterday i did buy two stocks in the long-term portfolio Ooh, what'd you buy i did buy two i wanted i've already have regeneron i bought more regeneron i added to a winner i never do that because it brings my cost basis up but i did Ooh. uh the reason is i think regen i don't think COVID is completely going away and i think regeneron drug is going to be used for a long time so the multiple the stock is actually on a valuation level is cheap as well so I did buy more REG and just anticipating that COVID isn't going away. Second one was I had sold some of these steel stocks. I rebought a steel stocks. I put some Cleveland Cliffs. 
in the long-term portfolio. So stock in, obviously we we're $26 a month ago, got down. I bought it. I didn't get the low. I was bought it like 19 and 80 or something. We so got I'm some news. Now. I mean, we're, 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 uh, the chance something wrong with Evergrande reality. Yeah. I just saw a headline. Okay. So every, <laughs> so Evergrande is going bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 bye, 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 bye. No, that we just made that. No, up. we're taking now. That is big. Okay, all right, okay. canceling all. Okay, Cancel listen, all. listen, listen, listen. Uh, the, the, the big Holy. thing here, the big thing here was a report from Bloomberg last week that hey, Evergrande has they have a deadline that's coming up on these debt payments, right? We don't know if they can pay them. That was the report that was out like on Thursday that there was a deadline this week. The deadline is here, and apparently they missed their payments yesterday to at least two other. Two is that payments. the news that just came right now? Yes. Holy cow. This is just the saga. And you know how you play the saga? You buy the debt and sell the rep. Nah, Joe, I thought Joel was kidding, but he really wasn't kidding. <laughs> you know what you should you know what he should do is we he should just call Grand Ticker going. He should he should call Powell. Who? See if Powell loaned him some, you know, a couple trail. Oh. To to, you know, that that would work out good. I don't know. The is there uh Evergrande is traded over there. It's about four bucks. I'm I'm sure we don't have do we have a symbol over here for we it? We do not. I, I mean, no. why does this are the stock though is like down four 10% bucks. yesterday? But I mean, really, this stock had been deteriorating for a long time. It wasn't like all of a sudden it just went from, you know, rocking and rolling to getting destroyed. The stock has been destroyed from what I saw in those charts. Yeah. What, and what is it with like the, the CNBC was showing it on there and it's like this numbers on it were like 6666. And I'm like, for real? <laughs> I'm like, what is this? Is that really the cute, like the number for bringing up the chart? I'm like, holy. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so okay, that the headline just hit the table. So that that's what you saw there a few minutes ago. What was was that? Everybody? I got picked off too, Joel. You didn't tell uh, me fast enough. I got bought, bought, and then you said cancel all, and I was like, okay, oh, I'm sorry. cancel all. Yeah. Um, so all right, all right. So that's how it's going to go. So <laughs> if you should give me a button on your computer, It'll be faster. <laughs> the problem is doing know. the live radio show and then yeah. you know, sitting out there. Yeah, it's tough. So, oh, so all right. Man. So we've got Evergrande doing things right. We've got this Fed meeting, um, and we've yeah. got all all these macro things happening. But in the grand scheme of things, all that matters is price. And uh, to summarize this point, and then we'll move on, is we've gained back uh, three quarters of the losses from yesterday. Well, we did. We no, we're not there anymore, but we were there a couple hours, like an hour ago. So that's the story in the morning here. It's uh, the buying the dip from yesterday into the close overnight, and as Dennis said. Maybe look to sell that pop today, maybe, right? I mean, they already have been selling it. How far are we from the highs here, Joel? Uh, 18 points. Yeah, we're already off the highs. Yeah. It, yep. It's tough. You just can't chase in this market environment. We've been telling you that. Really, 2021 has not been the year of the chase. I mean, people in texting me and saying, oh, the stock's breaking out. It looks great on the chart. There's been a lot of breakouts have turned into fake outs. And, you know, the breakdowns have turned into fake downs. And the fade trade, the contrarian, I'll say it. 2021 was more the year of the contrarian, despite the SPY steadily crawling up. If you looked at IWM, which is a better gauge for the overall market, in my opinion, it has been all chop. Look at the entire year of IWM. We started the year in January. We had a nice little January where we were up. But then since February... We've gone nowhere. 
220 back in February. We are 219 here today. We've been up and we've been down. We've been shopping around. And you've been fading. You've been trading and making money. The fade trade has been working a hell of a lot better uh, in this market environment than chasing. And I'm going to stick to that until it doesn't work. That's a pretty breathtaking chart there, Joel. <laughs> I don't know what Joel's got on there. That, that's Joel, the I'm, not at the I'm not looking at 20 years. And everything at uh, ten years, we know we're straight up well, in ten years. Look at the one year chart. Bring up the one year chart. Oh, look at you! Well, can't you just look to the right? No, because it's annoying. It's, oh, it's gosh. like a nothing. You are such Stretch a complainer. that out. One year. Did you vote or did you not? <laughs> yeah, vote? no, I did actually. I did vote, and and my guy won in my riding, but my party overall lost. But the the Canadian vote actually, the results are almost identical to twenty nineteen. Like Here almost nothing go. changed. Like one or two seats going either way. So same thing for those just waking up. Minority liberal government looks like Trudeau is back and absolutely nothing changed. Like, I mean, almost nothing. Give Canadians credit for their consistency. We're consistent. Yeah, they, yeah. They're, yeah. They're, yeah. They're, 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 they're what we want in 2019. They recall the election again. I know. Uh, they just call elections just for fun, just to get us out to the polls. So yeah. they called it. Trudeau thought he could get a majority. Doesn't look like the case, so. All right. uh, that's where we're at. There's what? the weekly. Is the weekly better for you? Yeah. Not, no, I don't think that's what. No. I just wanted the one year chart. <laughs> moving on. I'm, I'm moving on. I know how to do that. We'll I'm moving on. I'll do the one year. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. Moving on. Okay. Lenar. Lenar picked, not their fault, um, but they picked a pretty bad day to report. But it wasn't pick. great either. They flat out missed. Well, it was mixed because their, their earnings per share missed by a penny. So, like, really? That's. In my book, that's in line. But anyway, EPS three dollars and twenty-seven cents for Lenar versus a three dollar twenty-eight cent estimate. Sales of six point nine four versus six point eight six billion dollars. So their sales came in this much higher for the for the prior quarter. For the current quarter, Q four, their Q four, uh, they they gave guidance of new orders of um, low low fifteen thousand home range. Uh, they're going to deliver around eighteen thousand homes this quarter in the current quarter again um and yeah there's a story so mixed headline numbers for the quarter uh q4 order and delivery guidance i don't have any estimates so i don't i don't know what they compare to but anyway it was a top uh bottom line missed by a penny combined with yesterday creates a uh a situation like we've talked that. about the home builders being in an environment as good as it gets for a long time. And now it's not because you got material costs that have went up. You know, I know lumber's come back down, but I'm building a house and everything else has went up, you know, even labor, you know, costs are going up, but you know, all the other stuff to, you know, the, to the wire, to, to everything that's going in the house, everything's getting moved up. So you start looking at what it's costing to build a house. And it's a hell of a lot more than it was two years ago. So there's probably people out there now saying, um, wow, I'll just go buy a house and supposed to build. If it's going to cost me this much more to build, I'll just go buy an existing house. And this is what obviously keeps, you know, the housing market up because the house and the, the building costs are so high. But I think that hurts them. And I think, you know, I don't think a lot of these, you know, so we talk about, you know, Campbell's soup and you talk about inflationary pressures. This hurts the home builders too because those input costs that are going in will turn off buyers. So they have to, they pass those through. But there's going to be less people building. It's like, you know, the same thing with my builder. He's like, usually I get, you know, 20 calls for a deck. I got none back in the spring because lumber prices were too high. People are like, I'm not building my deck now. It's seeing the lumber prices, what it's doing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the same thing. I'm building my house now. And I'm building my house. I'm the only idiot doing it. 
But um, the same thing is a lot of input costs, a lot of material costs. It went up significantly and people were turned off by that. So I think you're out of you're you're in an environment where it gets a little tougher for the home builders going forward if inflation continues to rise. So no, I'm, I don't like them. I, I'm I don't glad like the I builders. threw in, I'm glad I threw in the towel on uh, on my effort to do that. It was long and arduous, but I'm glad I threw in the towel. You were going to build a house too. Yeah, I'm glad I just. Oh, it's tough, like, man. I, I it's honestly. Just, oh my gosh, picking out the. Scary. I mean, oh it's my gosh. It's not even that right now. In COVID environment, we're like waiting on materials, but then everything's getting jacked and stuff's coming in way over budget. I'm like, holy, this is a nightmare. So yeah, it hasn't been fun. All I'm, right, confluence on the downside. Ninety four pre market low. Ninety four was your low right here, just above ninety four. So that's potential support uh, for resistance. Uh, you got to look. You're going to get a look at the bottom of yesterday's range, which is 96.57. For some reason, I think it might trade a little bit above that because it's wild. Uh, my real good number, I'm sure a lot of people would like to see that close at 98.30. That's all I got for you in Lenar. And they kind of got uh, D.H. Horton yesterday, too, right? Because didn't D.H.I. come out with uh, yep. some bad guidance? So, they, 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 what were their yeah, guidance? they were doomed. They were doomed from the start. Yeah, I don't know if doom's a strong word, but okay, the bigger not question doom. is Evergrande doomed. But let's go back. What's the next thing on the schedule? Uh, wait, actually, this, see this nice little schedule of following on the right here now? <laughs> yeah, are we doing everything right? We're yeah, doing we're, nice. we're kind of there. We're out there. It's in my face, so we're trying. And we look like we're on time because Frank Holmes comes at 8.35. So it looks like we got 12 minutes to talk Uber. That's exciting. Wait, well, I wanted to mention AZO quickly on the earnings front. Oh, okay. Because right, they yeah. gave got, uh, earnings as well this morning. Oh, man, um, really and and the earnings, I mean, it's a really expensive stock. Dennis will say 12, mo- 12 minutes for Uber. And then I get more than one number. He'll be like, one number. One number. One number only. One number. <laughs> I, I not just twenty five numbers. I just want AutoZone. I just wanted to say AutoZone made thirty five dollars and seventy two cents per share Absolutely. last quarter, versus a twenty nine dollar eighty seven cent estimate. That is, why is it not up like one hundred and eighty seven? Sales, sales of four point nine versus four point five six bill. So go look. Uh, Azo. It's got to be dead up. Holy mackerel! Thirty five dollars. <laughs> makes money, man. Please do a stock split. Azo. Numbers are just crazy. $35 a share. Same Where's it bid, Everything Dennis? looks good there. The one thing is you're struggling right where you might think you struggle. The high from two days ago, 1619. But we are so light on the volume here. So far, I know you'll see 8,000 shares. But it has not traded 8,000 shares because there was a cross from, from the previous day of 8,100 shares. This literally has traded 80 shares on this earnings report. So you can say price discovery hasn't even started to happen on this thing yet. I can tell you odd lots are bid at 16.10. There's 10 shares bid on ARCA. If you had the ARCA book, you'd see that. And 27 shares offered at 16.22. That's your market. So it's looking 16.10 to 16.22 right now. Right in, the, in somebody offering near that yeah, that high from two days ago. Uh, right. And I mean, I think this whole uh, 16.22, 1624, just on the, uh, the first glance, it looks like resistance. If you blow through there, then... You can look at uh, closer to sixteen fifty. I wouldn't be bid any higher than uh, the close fifteen eighty five sixteen, or maybe yesterday's high fifteen ninety three sixty three. But that's it. That's it. Two hundred thousand shares traded in this yesterday, Dennis. How many trade? Do you trade this? You can't trade it. This is too wide. Yeah, too wide. Yeah, nope. drive a semi through that spread. Not for me. <laughs> 
What's your stock? I mean, it makes sense. You can't get a new car, right? So you got to fix up your old car. Basically impossible to trade these $1,600 stocks. They're too wide. Too wide. Moving on. All right. Uber had some guidance this morning. Uh, This is what Uber Uber had previously said. Uber had said in their last earnings report that we're going to be profitable on an EBITDA basis by the end of the year. Now they're saying, actually... Uh, the last two months were so good for us that we're going to break even uh, on an EBITDA basis uh, this quarter, and we're going to make somewhere, and this is a big range, but this is what they said, we're going to make somewhere between zero and $100 million. Uh, oh, that narrowed it down. I, I, I'm just repeating what they said. Uh, adjusted For adjusted EBITDA for the fourth quarter, uh, I guess gross bookings. They also raised that guidance as well for again for the fourth quarter. So they, they, they apparently, basically, the story here is they had a very good July and August. How do they know their bookings? I mean, don't people just dial her up on their phone? They is that their estimates. They have models, man. They they lots, Joel. Yeah. Forty three. That's my resistance. I, I I don't know where to buy the thing. I'd be. I'd say forty. To- right now you're at resistance 42, 20, 42. I like okay. the 42 level. I'm coming in tighter than Joel. I never do that. Uh, yeah. Buyer, if you dip the 40.22, 40.23, pair of highs from the last two sessions. And is Lyft getting a lift off this? Yeah, Ooh. a little one. I didn't want yeah. it. I sold it. Man, these stuff, those sure, things are but I was so... Overnight. I know. It, it's so, they're so expensive. I mean, I wish I could remember back in the day what I... You know what a, a cab ride was, but I mean, at least in a cab ride, you know, you can see it going click, 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 right? And you can guess like Uber. Well, they man, tell you what paid. it is, though. They usually estimate your. They know, bill. yeah, they know. But I, you rather see it in the cab. You say in the cab, you I, say, "No, go this way. Take this shortcut. Do this. <laughs> do that." You know, Uber, Joel, not I, a fan of Uber. I, I like the company. I don't like the valuation. I've had it. I tried to have it in my portfolio, and I just can't hold it for some reason. So I'm not an Uber right now. The, the, the biggest reason, actually the only reason I haven't used Uber uh, since before COVID, I've used Lyft, uh, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, on Lyft, you can schedule a ride in advance, and on Uber, I don't think you can still. That was a feature that Lyft had like two years ago, mm-hmm. that, and I've, I've had to use Lyft a couple times this year, and I scheduled rides in advance, and Uber, like you, you can't do that still, I think. Really? So, yeah, which seems frustrating to me, but um, also you know everyone hates everyone hates the surge pricing. Everyone hates uh, you know the, the cut that they take from oh. drivers. Uh, oh, they're saying the chat saying I'm wrong. I just don't know how to do it. I guess I guess I'm just dumb. But uh, oh, I'm right. trying to get uh, my buddy Ira out to the airport a month ago, and uh, I mean they were talking you know 75 80 100 bucks and yeah, I got a got a friend that you know helps out with the family and stuff and. Called her up. I said, "You want to take Ira to the airport?" She said, "Sure, man." I think he gave her like fifty, sixty bucks. So, I mean, all right. I, I don't know. Apparently, I don't know apparently, I just don't know how to use Uber because you can schedule a ride. I have no idea how to do it though. So, okay, there goes my. That's why I hadn't used Uber though. But anyway, they're basically the same thing. But we know Uber has the eats, obviously, and Lyft is just ride sharing. The uh, name of the game is sell the rip, not buy the rip. That's my thoughts on Uber. There you go. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, we got five minutes to talk whatever we want to talk about because Frank doesn't come on for five minutes. Well, so I'm excited for the no, gap. Spencer, the no, Spencer wants us to talk about something else. Well, there were a few things that weren't on the list that, that, that I had uh, down here. He right? over. Okay, go. Well, well what, what what do you want to talk about? We never I, know what's going on. I no, talk Spencer, about you're the producer. I, I just, 
Raz called us up and said, you guys are taking over the show. Let Spencer lead the show. No, he did not. No, he did not. (laughs) No, he did not. There is no way that happened. Uh, He uh, uh, (laughs) texted me. Uh, I, I, I wrote down J&J only because they had some data this morning, uh, some data that showed, according to them, that uh, their vaccine with a booster uh, mm. two months out and six months out uh, is more is very effective or more effective uh, against COVID, even with the Delta variant. So this stuff used to move the markets. It used to move the individual stocks. It doesn't even move the individual stocks anymore. That's not true. So. It, it, that's not, I mean, it's up. I think it's 10. totally true. Johnson and Johnson is up only 0.67 percent. The market's up 0.71. It's not even keeping up with the market. All right, but it was up higher. It wasn't more. Yeah, then I was a fade. I'm telling. You. So there you go. So I'm telling you, going forward, the way I've been playing it, I would see these, you know, COVID headlines six months ago on the drug, and I'd buy that. Like buys are good news. Buy, buy on tech, buy. And you know what? Now I look at them and they buy them up too much. I short them because the market doesn't seem to care. It goes wah wah. Doesn't really care. So that's all. That's what trading is all about in news interpretation to a certain extent, Yeah, you know, and understanding what is something worth. And this is, you know, something we're going to talk about in October when we do our next, you know, but I've specialized in trying to figure out what it's worth. What is an upgrade worth from Goldman? What is an upgrade worth? What is a downgrade worth? What is this COVID news worth? And when they overshoot, that's a short. In my and you're just looking at the quantitative models. There's some traders actually model all this stuff. I kind of have most of it in my head, but you get a feel when you're here and sitting all the time. You get a feel. And I'll tell you right now, in the COVID news, the stocks aren't moving like they were. Now, if it's a small little company that doesn't have a COVID drug, like Novavax all of a sudden does get the drug approved, that would be different. But when we saw the Pfizer news from two days ago, that okay, 95% efficacy in five to twelve. Great news for me. I got my kid that I can get vaccinated. But not great news for the stock. It really was shrugged off, and there really wasn't much response. And also, just building on that, uh, Dennis is really good at recognizing when the market starts and stops caring about certain things. Like, for example, uh, vaccine news, right, is one thing. But also, like, Kathy Wood buys. Remember, we talked about that every day for two two months because it moved the market. But it's not anymore, so we don't. Right. Um, what's another example? Wall to, to to some extent, Wall Street bets as well, right? Because there was definitely a time where they were moving stocks left and right. They're not so much moving stocks left and right anymore. There are a couple of times in the last a couple, couple of weeks, but but not to the extent that they were a couple months ago, right? Yeah. So Dennis is not just good at interpreting the news; he's interpreting when the market no longer cares about a particular thing. That's what matters, and you know what yeah. you started the show with. Is, is a great point, too. And I don't know if it was you or Joel that said it, but I think you said it, uh, Spencer. But when volatility increases, when you see the VIX climb up to 24, 25, 28, individual stock news matters a lot less. So what I say is, you know, on a normal nothing doing day, an upgrade might move a stock 3%. Yeah. A stock could get upgraded. And if the market's down 600 Dow points, they anything. don't care at all. So you can't just say, oh, but there's 3%. So the market's down 1.5%. This stock got upgraded. My stock should be up 1.5%. Ah, ah, ah. It doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. So I know on those days where the VIX is rising, and I'm not watching the VIX, but where we're getting hammered, somebody who's paying up for an upgraded stock is probably on the wrong side of the trade. And there's algos and quants that just do that automatically. And sometimes they work really well, and other times they don't work well. 
and they don't work well in the environment where volatility starts to rise. The upgrades and downgrades don't matter as much. Now, volatility is coming in today. There's upgrades and downgrades. They matter to a certain extent. But if an upgrade from Goldman is usually worth 5% on a specific stock, not saying it is, but just saying an example, if the VIX is up, it might only be worth 2%. It might only be 1%. So there's an extra 3 4% that the algo thinks it's worth. That's the algo's wrong. So as a human being, you're always going to have an edge over the algos once you get to a certain level because you can switch up on the fly where the algo is just running what it's programmed to do. And then you got the person behind it that hasn't even thought of what you're thinking yet. They have to go program it in to do it. So, you know, people, I have a buddy that, you know, worked for Quant Fund. He's like, how are you still in business? How are you as a discretionary <laughs> trader still able to make money, you know, basically on a, on a day trading basis? And I'll tell you, it's because I'm staying one step ahead of you all the time. So, you know, I used to, and, and people think that, oh, you can't compete with the quants. I ran algorithmic trading for a decade and I did very well with it from like 2004. I'm talking like 17 years ago, I was doing algorithmic trading to like 2012. I shut her down in 2012 because I wasn't competing on the speed. I couldn't compete on the speed anymore. And I realized that I had better edge as a discretionary trader. Because I can always stay at one step ahead of the algo. So until you get Watson or whatever that can, you know, change on the fly and do it all, you're going to have an edge as a human being once you get educated in this business over the quants, believe it or not. What happened was Dennis was trying to stay one step ahead of himself and he just tripped and fell on his face. So that, <laughs> Well, that happens sometimes. Yeah. All right. It's 835. Let's bring on Frank Holmes, executive chairman of Hive Blockchain, also the CEO and the CIO of U.S global investors frank good morning sir oh no we're on mute let's see if we can unmute frank's mic there right there on the bottom there we go oh no wait a minute look at this shirt wait 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 i see his shirt it's looking great oh look at frank but i can't hear frank we can't hear you i can't hear you frank i can't hear uh oh uh oh we can't hear frank oh no no we can't hear him where's holly no, no he's he got knows. himself muted in the corner maybe he can hear him now he knows. He knows. We can't hear him now. We uh, still can't hear him. We yeah, can't hear you, Frank. Oh, let's mess with my end here. Hold on. Mm -mm -mm. Nope. Not mm. in the corner. No, no, that's not it. Check, check it. Check your microphone uh, settings there on on the bottom. Oh. There we go. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Oh. What's up, Frank? <laughs> I said I may not be good looking, but I'm looking good. <laughs> yeah, we love the style. That's Go it. Bitcoin. That's it. Um, okay, I agree so with Dennis, you know, Dennis's comments are that you know the algorithmic trading has its own pattern sequence, and you have to know that dance step, and then you can just pick it up and you can be ahead of it. Uh, and quite often, we write about um, uh, volatility and what is the volatility over twenty trading days versus sixty days, and you can see these extremes. And at those extremes, the actually the algos keep buying or they keep selling. They don't adjust. They don't adjust as quick as a human being can adjust. That's your edge as a human and a discretionary trader is you can adjust immediately and they don't adjust as quickly. Until so, someone recodes them. Until someone recodes them, yeah. Frank's pretty fast though, so he'll recode pretty fast. Frank, how's it going? How? What's up? Uh, all is great in, in uh, sunny Texas. I, I'm glad to hear that, Frank. I want to. There's a lot we got to get to. I want to start with the airlines, and then we'll get to the other stuff here. But you were kind enough to send us this chart that I want to bring up on the screen that just shows the 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 comeback. I guess you, you could say uh, the the comeback in airline stocks after certain uh, 
certain big macro events, right? COVID, 9-11, and the Great Recession. And your point was that we've actually come back a lot, even though it might not seem like it now, we've actually come back a lot faster in terms of number of trading days uh, from COVID than we did for 9-11 and the recession. You know, it's it's a good visual to re- remind people these big cycles and how you trade within them. But if we go back to 2020, March, April, and May, and June, until June, the first week, when Buffett came out and said he's capitulated, he's out of all the airlines. Uh, during that period, jets traded around 11 to $13 up and down. But the volume kept growing and growing. And all those Robin Hooders, I think we calculated the data used to be fresh back then, 35,000 of them bought at that level. And when you spoke to them, it's all because they did historical analysis that after every global crisis, the airlines take it on the chin 70% and then rise 120. Well, Buffett was wrong and they were right. And they always say that they're wrong, but these kids turned around and and the jets soared to 28. uh, And then it's going through this normal correction. So as Delta comes out and right now we have a pandemic of the unvaccinated. That's really what's going on. Um, the COVID has not got disappeared. So if you lock everyone down, the numbers look better, but really hasn't disappeared. Let them back out and those unvaccinated are going to get it again. But I think we've gone through that cycle. And, and it's good to see yesterday, uh, President Biden uh, basically stopped a lot of the old policies of allowing Europeans to come into America. I just flew two weeks ago to see Hives facilities in northern Sweden, and it was packed. Every flight was sold out uh, going over there. Coming back, it was only half uh, half full. So that's interesting because now we'll probably see another surge of Europeans can't wait to come to America. Talk Frank, I got a question block. for you regarding that, that chart that you just had up. Uh, day one, I mean, were you listening to pre-market prep in January, early February, or where you see that day one for the COVID crisis? Yes. What 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 date is that? That's in March. That was the start okay. of March. March March one. I believe that's March one. Okay. Okay. I just that's, uh, because that's when it started unraveling. That's okay. a nice chart. Yeah. Um, so you think international travel is going to pick up, right? Correct. I well, it's a lot of policies. You know, what I didn't realize when I flew to Europe is that people coming from Europe had to spend two weeks in Canada to get to the U.S. or two weeks in, in Mexico. And then they were able to get in. They had a, a 14 day hold up. So that's that's gone now. They just have to prove that that they don't have it. They have that 36 hour. That test was I think it's um, 72 hours before and you can land if you don't have COVID and you've been vaccinated. But I was just in New York City last week at a crypto event, packed, sold out. And I was really impressed that the streets of New York are just vibrant versus when we listed high on NASDAQ in July 1st, that week, there was no one in New York City compared to what's happening today. Uh, I had to show my vaccine that I've been vaccinated to all the restaurants. It's easy, simple, show a picture of it and you go. Uh, I think that we're we're going to get another big leg in the airlines. So you think you don't, you don't think you? Sorry, Dennis. One more, and then I'll let yeah, you. Yeah, I'm going to try to get in here, Joel. <laughs> yeah, we're well, waiting for you, Frank. We're what a, what a you. difference! I'm interrupting Dennis. I was never. Um, one more, one more. So you don't think that like human behavior has changed? I mean, if you look at like Dick Sporting Goods, you don't think that like people are like, man, I'm going to Northern Michigan, I'm going to the UP. 
I'm I'm traveling. You don't think human be- behaviors changed? At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. And then also, um, how are the airlines going to get back to the level they were uh, with business travel? Uh, do you, you think know, business travel ever going to go back to where it was? That will that will just take time, you know. But I think the important part is we went from two point seven million to ninety thousand a day. Two point seven million to ninety thousand. Out of that two point seven million, two million were just Americans flying back and forth across the nation. Seven hundred thousand were being cleared by TSA inbound from Latin America, Europe, and Asia. So that seven hundred thousand is quite often more business class uh, seats, etc. I think that that is going to pick up, and that's important. What's happened with the airlines? Think about capital formation. We've had like six new airlines come out globally. If it's so bad, how could anyone throw money at an industry uh, of, of launching brand new airlines? And Frontier went public. Breeze is the newest one. The guy that created JetBlue is also the, the genius behind Breeze. Uh, it's been a success in, in selling out. So I think this we're, we're going through this wave. The negative sentiment, when I was talking to New Yorkers, they said never again. They're just not going to tolerate the lockdown. Uh, there's just, I think politically a politician, uh, will get thrown out. So Frank, I get my turn here now. And you went to Hive, you went to your Hive blockchain. Um, you went over and checked out the operations again. Uh, full disclosure, I am long HIVE simply because of you, Frank. You were on our show, and I like I like that Frank guy. I think he's smart, and I'm investing along with well, you're him. You're very kind. It was, it was doing great for a bit, but it's come back down recently. But what about the operations? We don't care about the stock price. We care more about the operations. How is it looking? Operations are great. I, I'm, I'm just very thrilled with it. Uh, if you just There are numbers we should file in the next day or two, um, all our results and uh, – you know, they're going to be exactly anyone that follows our hashing power. They can actually calculate how well we did last year and they, we did really well. So I think once it gets the, the normal process of disclosure to the whole capital markets, it'll be positive. Uh, and I've been saying this that back earlier this year, we're still going to be at the end of March, the most profitable of all the crypto companies because we both we mine both Ethereum and Bitcoin. Our Bitcoin production is now is 1.1 exahash. Uh, we've announced every month another $10 million of new equipment coming in next year. So it's like, it, for me, it's like drilling for uh, gas. You have to continuously drill. So we continuously have to be buying new equipment to upgrade. 
we've spent uh, over $50 million, $60 million buying the best, the best GPU chips in the world. If you're a quant trader, you need these GPU chips. Uh, and so we have now gone from the 580s, AMG's going to the NVIDIA's 4,000, 6,040. This is what, what gamers of the world, top elite players want to use, the A40s. So we're upgrading all of that. And we think there's going to be another big vision of like Starbucks across America. There's going to be small data centers offering you high performance computing because Amazon is so expensive. But Frank, I just want to clarify. You say you're going to have a filing tomorrow. Is that what you said? Had a what? You said you're going to have a filing out tomorrow or the next this couple week? days, I think you said. Yeah, this week, this week. This week, okay. To, uh, just, uh, just to update on operations? Yeah, update on operations and our financials. Okay, okay, interesting. Okay, we'll have to look Frank, out for that. Frank, what about the mining? So obviously the cost of mining continues to increase. What are you? Do you know what you're running on a break-even, like mining Bitcoin here now, like where, you're, you're, where your break-even is? Like if the price comes down, obviously this can be you know a significant issue for miners. Well, just tell us a little bit about you know how you know the mining operations work from a break break even perspective. Well, there's two types of break even. You know, okay. one of your your labor and your cost of electricity. Your electricity is the most important. How inexpensive in Sweden we are, we hedge out less than two cents a kilowatt, so that's very inexpensive. Okay. The new facilities we're building just along the border of Maine and New Brunswick in Canada. We're in New, in New Brunswick. Uh, we're taking that to 50 megawatts, and that's around four cents Canadian. Three cents U.S. So that's very, very competitive. Allows us to deal with corrections. It's a great question you ask because a lot of people don't understand that it's finite. So let's talk about Bitcoin. Every ten minutes, it's it's not a jump ball. It's a drop puck, and you have to be really, really competitive with elbows up, and you have to have fast computers, it's those systems to be able to get a piece of that. Yeah. And so we're getting there's basically six point two five. Bitcoin opportunities every 10 minutes, 900 a day. So what happens for the world to understand listeners that don't understand this as, as it becomes more profitable, more people come in with machines to try to get a piece of that puck. And therefore there's less to give out. It's literally, so you, you have a big pie and you're just getting a smaller piece. That's called the hashing difficulty rate. And, and so as Bitcoin rallies, more people want to mine it as Bitcoin falls, People want to stop mining. That's a big part of your cost structure. The other one are your S9s. Uh, your S9s could be running costs of $20,000, $24,000 per Bitcoin. If you have the S19s, the new latest version, or the M30s, they're called the other types of new high performance like AMG Mercedes, uh, That those machines take your cost down to less than $10,000. What's the difference between mining Bitcoin and mining Ethereum? The chip. The chip. The chip. And one of the nice parts about the Ethereum um, ecosystem is actually more diversified uh, and less centralized than Bitcoin mining. I mean, you take a look at the map. Uh, and the two is you have to have GPU chips for mining Ethereum. And so what happens with that is kids that have high performance GPU chips they're on there mining Ethereum every time it has a big rally. And, and what, what you see there is that they sell those coins to turn around and, and live their lifestyle and buy new games. Uh, <laughs> the parents get the electrical bill and the kids get the new. Uh, <laughs> and, and so that's a big issue you hear in Europe. But I, I, I laugh about it because it's real. 
But for us, those GPU chips allow us to go into rendering, movie making, uh, artificial intelligence is just growing everywhere, smart cities. So these chips will have a long life to them. And that means that assets very, very important for returns of capital. We have a goal that whenever we buy a chip, that we have a six month payback. That's how we price when we're buying something. What, what chips are you using from what companies? Just so we're looking NVIDIA. at, you know, other possibilities NVIDIA. there. NVIDIA. NVIDIA. Also NVIDIA? No AMD? Everything with NVIDIA. Everything's NVIDIA. Why? why? They're just faster? Is the NVIDIA chips faster it's, than the It's much more energy efficient and it's faster. You get three times the punching power that you have from the old day, uh, 580s from AMD. Uh, and, and, and more important is that the, you can get your money back within a year, all up, all your CapEx, but then that chip has value for maybe seven years. You depreciate over three, but it has a longevity to it. And it allows us to go into what's called high-performance computing, where at nighttime, so let's say you're a quant trader and you need this high-performing system. You would use that for eight hours a day. After that, you're going to turn on, what are we going to do with the machines? We could turn around and mine Ethereum with them. So it allows you more flexibility when you're using um, NVIDIA chips to both mine and offer high-performance computing services. And that's what we're building out now, high-performance computing services. We've been on with Frank Holmes. Wait, he, I got one more. Yeah, go, 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 sorry. Frank, it, okay, I thought Barney was purple. So you got that dinosaur back there. Is that like a Godzilla or what is that thing back there? Joel, that's a, that's a great, that's a piece of art, a sculpture. And there's <laughs> only 1,000 of them. There's only 1,000 of them? That's a piece only of thousand, and, and the box is worth more than what I paid for uh, what Godzilla is. And it was a political statement by an artist in China about 20 years ago that said that China wants to eat the world. Joel, Joel you just insulted like so many people. <laughs> Why? Now, now with the new leader of China saying he's going to have his own Mao book and teach kids and recode them all, he's going after capitalism. Uh, he's basically trying to consolidate his dictatorship. So that is basically what this uh, artist was worried about. All right, now now we're gonna keep you for another two minutes. I'm gonna oh, take you over. To, oh, I'm gonna boy. take you over. Oh, you, you, we NFT. went there. We're gonna go to the NFT, NFT. world here. NFT. We get to go to the NFT world after this. We're talking. You've got physical art over there. Are you getting involved in the NFT market as well? We've been uh, exploring different investments. Our biggest investment so far has been DeFi, which is a public company, and um, they've launched a product in the Nordic Exchange, uh, and they now have two hundred million dollars of Bitcoin in their ETF equivalent. So that's been our big investment has been the DeFi through not us doing it, but a strategic relationship. And we're very close to something on the NFT world. Uh, what's good about this for the listeners is that any new product in, in, the, in the blockchain system uses the backbone of Ethereum. So as more smart contracts are being used, therefore, uh, you see Ethereum actually outperforming Bitcoin on these rallies. Uh, and, and I think that this is going to continue to grow from the digitizing of everything. We're on with Frank Holmes. He's the executive chairman of Hive Blockchain. He's also Great the CEO information, Frank. and CIO of U.S. Global Investors. That's the proprietor of the Jets ETF. That's why we talked about the airlines before. Frank, always a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Have a good rest of your day. Wheels up.
Wheels All right, over. there we go. All <laughs> right. Thanks, uh, just oh. real quick. Uh, the Monday uh, dad saying, because people are calling me dad, dads love calling their kid a chip off the old block is the uh, ultimate compliment. You, your parents yeah, probably never say yeah. that to you. And uh, and then <laughs> and then today. Joel's is, insulting everyone today. Uh, dads love saying, this is why we can't have nice things when a oh. kid Everyone says yeah, that. We know. Okay. That. Everyone says that, not just dad. Okay, that's the dad for Monday and Tuesday. Real fast, a couple things. Uh, I didn't get the chance to bring this up, but Frank sent over this pretty interesting chart that I, I really just want to share because I thought it was interesting. He's one of the uh, smartest people we have on the show. He, that guy that was that. incredible. That's, wh- that's what I'm telling you. That I own high blockchain because Frank Holmes is behind it. It's the only reason. I don't know anything about it, but I'm like, I know Frank is smart. I know Frank figures out how to make money and how to do things. So I own HIVE simply for Frank Holmes in the long-term account, trying not to look at it. Uh, so the, the, this chart was interesting. If anyone's ever curious uh, how much of, of all the airlines, how much the airlines make from uh, all the fees that they charge, he sent over this chart that I want to pull up on the screen right now. This is just uh, wow. a, a this is the data is as of last year, so it doesn't include this year at all. But it's a breakdown of all the airlines and what they make from uh, a percentage of the revenue, what percentage of revenue comes from ancillary fees? Ancillary fees is anything not from the ticket sales, right? So think of baggage, think of um, whatever, like trip insurance and beverages on the plane and all the all the other things you can pay for after the fact in addition to your ticket. This is what which airlines make the most of their revenue from all the extra stuff. So no surprise to see Spirit up there because they charge yeah. for everything. But yeah, I just, they don't give you anything. They right. don't give you a drink of water. Right. So I just thought this was interesting. I wanted to share it because I thought it was cool. I um, just would, yeah, what adjustment to this chart? Um, Southwest is going to go down to like 18.5 now because they're not serving alcohol. Okay. Um, and then the second thing I just saw while we were talking to Frank is a uh, very interesting headline. Um, maybe we should have seen this coming, maybe not, but uh, the CEO of Uber was, is on CNBC, and, and he said that in the last two weeks, Uber has signed up 5% more drivers to their platform. Can anyone guess what happened two weeks ago that would have precipitated Uber uh, all of a sudden signing up 5% more drivers? I'll give you one hint. It rhymes with schmandemic schmunemployment insurance. <laughs> okay. All right. The, the unemployment benefits ended, the extended ones ended two weeks ago. I think that's not a coincidence. I think it's not, that, that, that can't be a coincidence. Football was a good guess too, though, from Jar Jar. Okay. Um, you're some good guess. You, know, you mean people are losing money betting on football, so now they need to drive Ubers? I was just driving to the games. <laughs> I was How about those about. Lions last night? Uh, yeah. Actually, I don't know if you saw this, but Benzinga ran a Twitter poll. Who's going to win the game tonight? Detroit. The options were Detroit or Lions. Those are the options. Uh, nice. Anyway. We had a chance. We had a chance through the first quarter. That was about it. All right. It's 8.55. We're going to have uh, Jay. Are they going 0-16, Joel? No. 0-17. 0-17. Oh, is it? oh, yeah. They're not going to go. No. Set the they new could. Who are they going to beat? Then I heard another guy got hurt. Who are they going to beat? I don't know. Jaguar? Do they play Jacksonville? They they can beat Minnesota, perhaps. Uh, Jay Young. I would love to see Herb go zero and seventeen. I mean, that would be as good as Michigan beating Ohio State. 
right. It's not stocks and jocks. It's stocks. Let's go. But we, we got four minutes in, until we're talking energy and oil with Jay Young. So let's do a ticker few minutes, time. Ticker time. Drop some tickers in the chat, and we will uh, take a look at whatever is on your 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 mind here. But uh, I will know that Uber is. Uh, Flirting with a pre-market high here right now. Uh, so, yeah. CNBC yeah. interviews often top the stocks. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Learn teaching us something again. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Not investment. Not it's going to happen this time. Not investment not. advice. Yeah, well, we don't give it. Oh, there's a there's a couple of good ones here. Um, Let's do Nvidia. Frank was just talking about the show. Okay. So, I mean, we haven't talked Nvidia on the show in a while. Had an awful day yesterday. Got really beat up. Um, is this a buy the dip opportunity in Nvidia once again? Or is this stock just simply run too far? I'll throw it to you, Mr. Alconan. Short-term trade played up to 220. Okay. That was great. That was fantastic. Moving on. Real quick. Um, Oh, I I forgot to mention Bill.com had an offering. That's why it's down if you didn't see that. Uh, Some good tickers here in the chat. What about Lucent Motors from Perot Eugene? This, uh, for whatever reason. It's coming back. For Why whatever, is it so hot? For whatever reason, maybe it's ahead of our EV conference tomorrow. I'll share this plug. EV stocks had a pretty good day yesterday. Yeah, they did. I mean, a lot of, you know, some Momo stuff had a pretty good day. I, I don't know Lucid, but it makes me kind of interested in some of the other EV plays short term. If that's going to start ripping higher, you wonder if they start ripping some of the other ones. I don't know. You know, they're obviously very risky bets. We know that. Uh, Fisker held up pretty well yesterday, too, talking my book on that one. But what about Ride? What about our buddy Marcus? We're going to have him on. Let's do a technical on ride just quickly here, too. 650 uh, low yesterday. Does this start to get light if you lose uh, it? Starts you to can go? do it. You can do it. Whatever. You're not I, talking any of these. Yeah. What about no, Lucid? Okay. Lucid, Lucid technical. You know what? Lucid. It's been it's been uh, pretty easy for the Bulls here, except for the undercut of uh, you know a Friday's low. But I think, man, between 24 and a half and 25, I think things might thicken up a little bit. I know it's been, you know, pretty easy, except for that undercut of the low yesterday. But uh, that's, I see the 24 and a half, 25. It just makes me pause a little bit. We'll see Long what happens today. moving too today. QS. Yeah. Chad giving us that one. Yeah. All the EV QS. stocks. They're, they're showing some life here. If I was short the EV stocks, I'd be covering. Um, just because they've mm. been beat up pretty good. They're oversold a lot of them. So there is an opportunity for a little relief pop here. And if the market continues to, uh, you know, obviously I don't think the market's going to continue to run. It's already starting to leak. But Was there news about. on QS? Got to be. Some, some yeah. agreement, some there, deal or something. Yeah, there was a couple headlines. I don't think – I think it was from Friday. Uh, There's a couple headlines. I think, I think the, tw- the algos had 22 programmed in here. So that was it. You missed the boat. When it went through 22, that was when you just started lifting the old fives, the tens, the 15, the twenties. Now, I don't know what to tell you. What's this high? Uh, just over 24. There's a bunch of highs. Let's call it 24 to 24 and a quarter. If you're looking for a target on the upside. Guys, 859. I'm going to bring Jay, on, Jay Young on. Okay. Any final thoughts from both of you? Final thoughts. Fade trade. I'll just fade say fade trade. trade. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm fading everything. I don't think we're going red. But I think we got some work to do on the downside here. Get, get near, you know, if you get a stock, any specific stock near yesterday's lows, that's where I would try to strike. Start. Like, and there's going to be some stocks, maybe not the overall market going down to yesterday's lows because it's a long ways away, but you'll have some individual stocks that will challenge yesterday's lows. Those would be my, you know, try to pick them up and stop myself out on, you know, yesterday's lows. And obviously just look at your charts. There's a pile of them that are just up, you know, not that far from yesterday's lows, So they could challenge them again. 
So I'd use uh, those as stop points. If you're trying to lock in profits here and, you know, you're trading well above the close and, you know, just, you know, don't let it come back down to the close on you. You know, see what yesterday's high was. See if that's a potential target for you because it should be because we're right around the interday high from yesterday. Use that as a target and then, you know, make sure they don't go red. But uh, we got, I'm going to go cover it, man. Uh, some of these other symbols here over on premarketprep.com. Good right. show today, Spencer. I hope we followed all the rules and uh, I'll talk to you later on, Spencer. You guys did follow the rules two days in a row of rule following on this show. We appreciate that. Let's get Jay Young on. Let's talk energy, guys. Uh, I think someone in chat the, the other week mentioned, uh, wanted to get an energy-focused guest on the show. Uh, so we're getting Jay Young here as the president and CEO of King Operation Corporation. Jay, good morning. Morning. How you doing, Spencer? Doing well. Good to have you. Uh, fill us in, for those of us, who, for those of our, our viewers or listeners, whomever who aren't keeping up with what's going on on, any, on a daily basis in the global energy markets, uh, it's been a pretty wild couple weeks. Uh, catch us up. Yeah, well... I tell you what, we look we look pretty smart when uh, we go back. We go start buying natural gas assets for our funds yeah. in February and March this year because it, it was at two dollars, two and a quarter. Now it's at five. You know, so same thing with oil. Oil's going up. Uh, you know, so what we do as a company is we look at the at the global demand. We look at the United States and what's going on here in the United States. You know, right before the pandemic, we had a thousand rigs running. Um, in the United States drilling for oil. After the pandemic, it went down 75% to 250. And right now we're only halfway there. We're, we're at 500 rigs. The capital is not coming back drilling for oil and gas. And when you don't have the capital, you don't have any new oil, new gas. So when those wells start depleting as they will, and global demand goes up, you're going to see natural gas prices Oil and gas prices go up, which is going to be great. It's, it's going to be great for us and great for our investors and our funds. I mean, our, our funds are, you know, 100% write-off oil and gas, which is a great write-off. But it's also income, monthly generating income. But also, too, when you're looking at oil and gas and finding out, you know, my family's been in this business for 100 years. I know, I know man, it's like cycle, cycle, cycle. We're going to see an incredible increase in prices simply because we don't have the oil here in the United States. And when we need it, we're not going to have it. We're going to pay more for it overseas. Jay, I've I've got this chart up here of just just showing the run in natural gas uh, through, I mean, not not last week, but like through the end of August and and into Mm -hmm. September. That that is in highly unusual move for natural gas can you explain like what was that just like a blow-off toppy thing i mean what exactly was happening i mean the, the ung etf that i've got up here got to almost twenty dollars i mean you know i i would have even if you're even if you're bullish as, as you are you, you got to at least acknowledge like the move like that is is probably not sustainable well, exactly. And I, what I feel like is we have a good base. We have a good bottom for oil and gas going forward. You know, what, what happened was back before the Barnett Shell, back before gas did go to $13, $14 for a short time there. So we've seen natural gas prices go up. We were one of the largest importers of, of natural gas. And all of a sudden, you know, with Shell drilling, the Barnett Shell, 
you know, west of Fort Worth, we had hundreds of rigs drilling for natural gas out there. So we became a supplier to other countries. Now you're seeing, and everybody was so negative about natural gas and industry. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't hear of anybody really that was, that was really conscious about, okay, we're going to drill natural gas assets now because we feel like in 2021 in September that it's going to go to five bucks. Nobody knew this. But it's all about supply and demand. I mean, as you talk about on your show constantly, you know, it's all about supply and demand and what happens. And we, we do the same thing in the old business. Just in our business, we got to be, you know, five, six months ahead of the game, which we were buying up assets in our funds then compared to, you know, today, because you guys are stock traders, man. It's like a nanosecond. You can make a decision on or off. Yeah. But with us, we have to we have to go further back. So, Jay, we, we've been talking in the past couple of weeks or, or a month or so just about all the different ways that, that China is sort of uh, um, pushing their finger down on, on various industries, whether it be technology or gaming. Uh, and, of course, they have an undue influence in the oil markets as well. Can you explain exactly the influence that China is having right now? Well, China is, uh, I mean, they're a buyer of products. I mean, they, they need a lot of oil and gas and and. What, what's happening is when, when China's doing all this and their, their economy's booming, and now people are going, wait a minute, is this for real? But with the commodity market, they're needing oil and gas, and they're going to different places to find it. And, and they need like $360 billion a cubic feet of gas a year, and they're only producing like 200 So they're still a big importer of natural gas. And Russia is sitting out there just licking their chops, you know, like he did with the United States. When Biden came in and started, you know, crushing permits and pipelines and things of that nature. So, you know, you know, China needs it and they're willing to pay for it. The problem with all the different channels and pipelines that, um, you know, Russia is just kind of holding back. I mean, they've got enough natural gas reserves to last them 100 years to sell and and also to uh, use for 100 years. So it, it's a waiting game. It's a it's a. You know, who's going to be the most patient? Are we going to run out? Our country needs X, you know, amount of oil and gas every day. And how do you, you know, how, how do you, how do you supply your country and make sure you don't run out? Uh, we're at seventy dollars a barrel right now. About in in, in crude futures. Uh, do you have a target, maybe, Jay, for the end of the year on that? Yeah, no, I've talked to I've talked to my team here, and we we follow this, you know, constantly and. And we, we, we feel like that oil is going to $90 a barrel by the end of this year. Oh, and it could go higher. Uh, there's nothing. The, the, the big thing is there's only one thing that's holding it down. One thing holding it down. And that is Russia, Saudi Arabia, you know, putting a little bit more oil in the markets, right? Like right. They did before the pandemic, you know, Russia, Saudi Arabia, put a lot of oil in the market. They don't want the price to go too high in the United States, because if they do, we're going to start drilling. And the more we drill here in the United States, the less we need them. That's the only small reason why, but I don't really, really see that stopping us. There is no, I mean, there's no oil. Look at the rig count, look at demand, look at supply. We're, we're supplying a lot less oil today than we were, you know, three months ago, 12 months ago. We're, we're going down in our production. And when we need it, we need 20 million barrels a day in the United States. And we're only producing 12. That's eight million. Well, as the demand goes up and our supply goes down, which it will, 
what happens is we're going to need oil from other countries and we're just at their beck and call. They're going to say, Hey, we are, we we charge you 80, 90, a hundred. You know, th those guys are, are in the driver's seat compared to uh, us and, and our demand because they, they sell oil for a living. That's what. So, that's what so, so Jay, whether or not oil does get to 90 by the end of the year, how, how does that change what, what you're doing on your end? Yeah, well, now it's, I mean, I hate to say this, but I was on uh, a lot of Jim O'Han and all those kind of shows, BBC, and, and, I'm, and they're asking me, you know, and they're like, you know, we don't want to pay so much for, for gasoline in the in our tanks, you know. I mean, I drive the same way to work every day, and instead of paying 50 bucks or 100 bucks, I'm going to pay 50, and yeah. I'm going, hey, man, I know, I, I'm with you 100%. I agree. I got to pay more, too, but you know what, man, our investors – then look at our funds, you know, tax benefits, monthly income. We scale the investments inside our funds and sell them. It's going to be great for us. I mean, it, 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 this is it. I mean, the last three years has been a disaster, you know, for us. When oil goes negative, it's kind of hard to raise money. It's kind of hard to talk to anybody. You know, you, yeah, and I, worked, I worked harder. I worked harder, probably made less money than I ever have in my life, you know, but that's just the way, way it was. And, and, uh, you know, I went back with one of our guys and I said, Hey man, you're raising any money today at minus $20 a barrel. And he's like, man, I tell you what, I couldn't get anybody to talk to me at all, you know, except for trying to feel sorry. I, yeah. I, I guess the good news there was that it was, it was only negative on paper really. And for only for a day, not even for, for a day, really, uh, really part of the end of the day there. Um, but uh, yeah, that was certainly really interesting. So Jay Young is the president and CEO of King Operation uh, Corporation. Uh, it says $90 a barrel is what he thinks for oil by the end of the year. Uh, maybe like give us like a um, percent likelihood of that happening, Jay. I'm 80%. 80%. I'm 80% on $90 oil. Okay. And we follow our new, we have a newsletter, kingoperating.com. Yeah. And you can, you can follow us and Hey, we're, we're, we're tracking, we're tracking everything every day to see, okay, is this where we're going? And, and it makes us look smart. I mean, we're buying up good assets. You saw an asset yesterday, nine and a half billion with shell. I mean, there there's assets that are out there and we're picking these up at great prices right now. And we're drilling inside these funds to increase the value. I mean, it's, it there's nothing holding oil and gas prices down. I mean, Spencer, do you see anything holding it down? No, I mean not at the gas pump. I'll tell you that every day, yeah. every every time is an is a new surprise, and not in a good way. So, yeah, yeah, I, I know. yeah I, I got a little bit too used to thirty five dollars to fill up my tank last year. I know. Yeah, Isn't that crazy, and all of a sudden it just something happened, and and. People don't understand that, you know, Saudi Arabia, Russia, they, they sell oil for a living. I mean, they, they produce 8 million barrels and sell and yeah. use five. They have 3 million on the open market. That's what they do for a living. And it's all a huge game for them, you know, and it unfortunately has to make us pay more. But uh, All right, Jay, Jay, uh, Jay, one more for you. This is from the chat. Do you have a favorite ticker, a favorite oil company that you like right now? I like Ring out of uh, Andrews, Texas, Andrews, Midland, Texas. I like Ring Energy. Rig, uh, I think they're a great producer. They've got a lot of San Andreas production, easy stuff to drill. They've got a good formula for success on how they drill and complete. I'm a buyer. I've, I've been a buyer. I've, I've, I've bought and sold the stock uh, a couple of years ago for 12. 
And then I bought it for, you know, less than two bucks not long ago, you know, when, when everything went, went way down. Um, Energy Transfer is a good, a good uh, midstream company. I know the guys over there as well. Uh, but any, any, any stock, if you look at the, you know, debt to equity ratios right now, man, we've got some great, there's some great buys out there right now. And um, I, I like the guys that don't have a lot of debt, obviously, because you never know what's going to happen. But, but uh, energy transfer is a midstream. They all they do is transport it when somebody like us produces it. Um, like Ring Energy will produce the oil and gas, and then they'll put it in the energy transfer pipelines. Energy wait, transfer. Wait, Jay, real fast. What was the ticker on the first one? Ring Energy. Ring. Oh, ring. Oh, ring. Okay. R I N G. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. My bad. Okay. Wait, two and a quarter, two. Yeah, there it is. Two forty-eight. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Cool. I've been so, buying it for a long time. I know the guys over there. They got great assets. A good team, a good assets. And all uh, right, I did get up to the stock was almost was almost a billion dollar company before like 2018, 19. Then, then uh, you know things things went south. So, but I tell you, any oil company right now, in my opinion. I'm an, I'm an old guy. Yeah, I got to realize that I grew up. Yeah. You know, a handful or, you know, house full of uh, oil and gas people. I mean, it's this is a great time. Now, maybe not in three years, five years when we go, when we start to go greener, you know, I say greener instead of green, which we will go greener. You know, I mean, we are going to see the markets and we're going to consume a tremendous amount of oil and gas. We're getting way over our skis right now, the government, with trying to put all these new policies in place when they're saying okay we're going to go green and it's like well wait a minute wait a minute it's not effective enough we need to we need oil and gas first and we don't have it and you just can't turn the the spigot on and start producing oil and gas and it takes a tremendous amount of time and effort to get oil and gas started you know to from from the capital to the geology engineering to go drill a well to get it down the pipeline to start you know it, it takes a lot, and we're nowhere close to that. We're going to need oil and gas, and when we don't have it, we're going to have to pay more for it, and that's what's going to happen the next couple of two, three years. I, mean, I don't know anything longer than that, really, except for our funds are two, three years, you know, because I feel like that, you know, I don't like long-term assets. We buy five assets in our funds. You know, it's 100% write-off. We buy assets in our funds that, uh, that are two, three years max. You know, because I want to scale them and sell them, or we produce them. But you know, I don't. I don't know what's going to happen in the next five years, ten years. I mean, I've heard global demand is the big is is going to be big in ten years or something. When when our global demand for oil is in ten years, but I don't. Yeah, know. It, it, it's hard to know that far out. It's re- yeah. really hard to know. Uh, we've been on with uh, Jay Young, as I mentioned. Uh, he is uh, uh, he's an oil guy. I mean, through and through, right? As, as he's a th- you're a fourth generation oil guy, I believe. Jay, uh, yeah. president and CEO of King Operation Corporation. Uh, Jay, always a pleasure, man. Thanks a lot for coming on. Hey, and I also wrote a book. It's all, I wrote a book upside of oil and gas investing. If anybody's interested, first five people that come and sign up, I'll I'll sign I'll sign one. Spencer, I'll get you one. I'll sign it and I'll send it to you and and to learn about investing in oil and gas if you have if you have an interest. I don't the, know how to, so here, what, here's what, what to. what's the book called? Upside of oil and gas investing. Upside of oil and gas investing. All right, check it out. Thanks a lot, Jay. Thank you very much. Appreciate right. it. Have a great day. All righty. It is nine sixteen. I think that'll be just about wrap it up. I have a couple things I want to say before I, I wrap up the stream. Um, 
I, I did mention very quickly, uh, Bill.com did an offering this morning. So they, they announced a $1 billion stock offering, ticker B-I-L-L. That is why it is trading down. Uh, Dennis made a point to me last night that I, that I want to mention um, that I, I, I think is, is, was worth repeating. And that is on days where the market is really is wild and volatile, companies will intentionally hold back news. So it, because nobody wants to like mess with it. Nobody wants to risk coming out with a great headline and just basically wasting that that bullet in your chamber, right? Because your stock goes down regardless, right? So people companies will hold back on news. So on days like yesterday, there's a lot less. There's a lot lighter news volume. There's a lot heavier interest in the markets, but a lot lighter news volume. And I think that creates this weird uh, situation where everyone is like looking, looking, looking for news. And but there isn't there may not necessarily be a lot of it because companies will just sort of pull back and 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 let the chips fall where they may. Um, and I, so I, I think that bears repeating because because you could see that happen again today as well, depending depending on on how wild things get. At the open, um, so I want to point that out for those of you that are like watching for like individual headlines on stocks and whatever. There's just going to be less of it while the market is doing strange, uh, not strange, but but um, volatile things. Want to mention that? Uh, okay, uh, a couple of things before I wrap it up and segue over to David Green. I mentioned all of these things at the top of our show, but the very next uh, special interview with Je- with uh, Joel whatever you want to call it, uh, on premarketprep.com. Next Wednesday, he'll be talking to Gene Munster, going head-to-head versus a mystery guest. 1 to one to one thirty next Wednesday, premarketprep.com. Our next event is tomorrow, the EV Conference. You can see the link there. It's bzevcon.com. Dot com. You can win a free one-year subscription of Benzinga Pro by going to that website. We are talking to GM. We're talking to Archimodo. We're talking to, I think, like a dozen, if not more, companies tomorrow. Uh, any Anybody from battery makers to um, manufacturers, uh, companies involved in the R&D space, um, we this is one of the things that we we did. We threw out a survey a while ago, and we said, what what, what kind of companies do you do you want to hear from what sectors? And one of the biggest responses we got was EVs. EV. This was like you know early on in the year. So uh, full day of EV companies presenting uh, right here tomorrow after pre market prep. Uh, so there's that. I mentioned uh, Joel's thing. I think I'm good on the housekeeping items front. Yeah. So all right. That'll be a wrap for me. David Green's going to be live in five or so minutes. Let me make sure that you all have the link um, because, to be honest with you guys, we are in. Uh, I'll, I'll just. I'll just be honest. I don't. I don't care. We're we're in YouTube trouble right now. YouTube got mad at us, so they they got mad at us for restreaming the Apple event last week. I guess we weren't supposed to do that. Oops. And so they took away our redirect feature. We're hoping to get it back. Please, YouTube. We're sorry. But in the meantime, we can't actually redirect you to our next stream. So I'm going to put the link in the chat right there, and I'll just pin, pin it to the top. So there's a link to, to watch David Green uh, coming up next here on 
uh, our YouTube channel. And I hope we get that redirect back. YouTube, we're sorry. <laughs> Apple, we're sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, whatever. All right. Uh, please remember all the information from our shows. Oh, you know, actually, no, one more thing. One more thing before I go. I, I just want to real quick do a crypto update. I didn't do one yesterday, and, and and I meant to, and I and I should have, and I and I forgot. So let's let's bring up my uh, my my screen right now, my heat map, and quickly quickly look at crypto uh, today. Uh, okay, that's actually not as bad as as I would have thought. It's not as bad as it was yesterday. Yesterday was like all dark red, right? All dark red. Today is it's not quite that bad. We got at least we got some green. At, at, you know, Ethereum, frankly, being down 0.6 percent is is kind of a moral victory because it's it's been a rough go with Ethereum for the for the uh uh past little bit here uh doge is in the green 21 cents for doge anyway okay so just there's your heat map for the day there's your your just top down twenty thousand foot view on crypto as we enter the day always 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 i watch crypto especially on days where stocks are moving down um you know, we've seen that when that when that happens, the 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 logic of oh, crypto is a hedge kind of goes out the window. Crypto tends to sell off when stocks sell off. It happened last year uh, with COVID, and so I'm generally biased towards the short side on crypto. Whenever there are days when the, when the broad markets go down, that's sort of how I approach things, um, or I I expect to see weakness in crypto on days when stocks go down. Uh, so that's where I'm at on the crypto front today. Uh, as a reminder, uh, you can get $50 in Bitcoin for free using the Voyager app. Here's what you got to do. Download the app. You fund the account with at least $100. You make your first trade and you use the code ZING, Z-I-N-G. That will get you $50 in free Bitcoin. Again, Voyager.com, Voyager app. Link is in description. Okay, now I'm done. Now I'm done. Please remember all the information from our show was meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Thanks to Jay. Thanks to Frank. Thanks for all of you in the chat. Hey, how many likes are we at today? Let's find out. More or less than 500. 341. Get me to five. Like us for the new graphics. Like us for like sticking to the plan, right? We're we're trying to become more organized, less chaotic throughout the show. It's working, I think. Two days in a row. That's pretty great for us because usually we're just fine all all over the place. So uh, smash that like, guys. We we do appreciate that. I do appreciate that. Um, as always, shoot us an email with any feedback you have. Shows at benzinga.com, and uh, we will take it to heart. And with that being said, I'm off. David Green is live right now or coming up in a minute. That link is in the chat. YouTube.com slash Benzinga. Everyone have a good rest of your day. Good luck at the open and uh, stay green.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.